Welcome to the Georgia Fintech Academy podcast. The Georgia Fintech Academy is a collaboration between Georgia's fintech industry and the University System of Georgia. This talent development initiative addresses a massive demand for fintech professionals and gives learners the specialized education experiences needed to enter the fintech sector. Hello, everybody. This is Tommy Marshall, the executive director of the Georgia Fintech Academy. Welcome to episode 25 of the Georgia Fintech Academy podcast. We're really um, got a great discussion lined up for you all today. Uh, hope you've had a good week. Today we have Stephen Montague with us from Kennesaw State University and Ernie Boudet from FIS Global. Welcome. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Tommy. Ernie, let's start with introductions uh, from you. We're really excited to have you on this show today. Um, tell us about yourself and your career in fintech. Absolutely happy to, and thanks again for having me today. Um, Ernie Boudet, and I'm VP of Market Engagement and Ideation for FIS. Uh, I know that's a mouthful, so I'll, I'll put some context around that. But I thought where I'd start for our audience very briefly is, is just uh, say a little bit about FIS and why we exist, uh, and, then, and then tailor that into exactly what I do and, and, and where I come from. Um, as FIS, we lift economies and communities by advancing the way the world pays, banks, and invests. So for perspective, we move $9 trillion and process more than 75 billion transactions annually, making us arguably the largest fintech in the world. I am a member of the chief growth office at FIS. And that makes me and members of my team responsible for driving organic growth for the company. And this includes responsibility for our Global Idea Lab and FinTech Accelerator Program in partnership with the Venture Center. So how I got here, I, um, I actually earned my bachelor's in public relations where I started my career. I, I actually had early ambitions about being a news guy. Uh, someone once told me, I've got a good news voice. Hey, you ought to be on camera, Ernie. And, <laughs> and so I said, I'll, I'll, I'll dabble in that. Um, but, uh, but I cut my first financial services teeth in supermarket banking or as we coined it back then, chicken and checking. Right. And I was working as a marketing communications consultant for a Memphis-based bank subsidiary that established bank branches inside supermarkets. Uh, so for us here locally, the SunTrust branches inside public supermarkets, that's that's what we that's what we were all about. And what what really interested me about all of that uh, was not just the 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 overall industry and financial services, but emerging then the alternative uh, delivery channels and the alternative means of how we banked, not as a noun, but as a verb. And we were really on the cusp of starting to move to more alternative channels for both delivery and service. I, um, uh, I got the tech bug, <laughs> so I joined Atlanta's leading tech PR firm at the time. And my first two clients there were 
early fintech disruptors. Hmm. The first, Derivion. Do you remember them? No. No. Online bill pay provider later became or or was acquired by Metavante. Mm -hmm. That's now FIS. And Enfront, online banking provider, Mm -hmm. acquired by Digital Insight, now part of NCR. NCR, sure. Yeah. So so that experience led to to DI, as they still refer to it, becoming a client. And ultimately, I made the jump to corporate marketing by joining them, DI, Digital Insight, as Intuit acquired them. Now, was that uh, Trip Rackley? Was Infra Trip Rackley's business? Or That's correct. Okay, That's great. correct. Yeah, yeah. Legend, legendary Atlanta entrepreneur. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I was I was honored, um, um, still re- remember that, really honored to be a part of the team that brought Infront Public on the NASDAQ. Mm-hmm. And I was working with that team at the time that Digital Insight acquired them. And that's how Digital Insight became a client of mine. And that really was what paved the path for me to make the jump uh, to corporate marketing by joining them just as Intuit uh, acquired them. Mm-hmm. So after Intuit, um, I moved to the merchant acquiring side of payments by joining WorldPay, where I led marketing for the U.S. business before joining FIS in my current role uh, back in 2017. So that's what leads me here to today. Great. I love it. The um, I love that story. Just it's been a long time since I heard the phrase supermarket banging. Um, and I remember in early in my career, um, there was a very successful supermarket bank in Canada called President's Choice that um, we used. We were setting up a bank at the, this time in the mid 90s for uh, American Express, and we were studying President's Choice intensely because um, we wanted to replicate a lot of different dynamics of what they were doing successfully in uh, in Canada, and um, it was a great education. And it's um, it's a it's a it's kind of interesting. I think often overlooked kind of um, um, part of the banking delivery model that um, ended up being a you know in some many ways kind of important test bed for some of those early advancements in the mid-late 90s. A real catalyst. In fact, there was even a model that emerged out of Virginia. Uh, if you're familiar with the market there, Ucrop's supermarkets. Yeah, of course. Um, in fact, uh, Rob Ucrop went, and I went to college together. <laughs> there you go. So do you remember, Tommy, first market bank that they launched inside Ucrop supermarkets? Yeah, I think so. Uh-huh. Yeah, headlines, uh, you know, still then, which was interesting about the retailer push into financial services, that business model actually reflected Ucrops being a 51% owner of that business, which essentially put them into the banking business uh, way back when. So a real catalyst, right? A real catalyst in in setting the foundation for a lot of things that we're even seeing evolve today in alternative alternative delivery models and services experiences. Yeah. No, I love this story. And it just, it, it emphasizes, I guess another piece I want to emphasize for students that are listening is what, you know, you heard there is somebody that was really interested in public relations and they're kind of coming out of college or in college and got into public relations and marketing and meaning 
meaningful ways and um, you know become you know a significant player in this uh, in this industry. Stephen, um, tell us about you. Sure. Um, well, first off, thank you so much for having me on the show, the podcast. Um, it's really a pleasure to be here. Uh, yeah, my name is Stephen Montague. I am a graduate student at Kennesaw State studying software engineering, like Tommy said before. Um, I actually started my undergrad at Kennesaw State as a CS major, um, but my um, focuses were not on studying. Um, and so I uh, decided to change my major to um, marketing. And then I ended up actually transferring from Kennesaw and finished my undergrad at Asbury University. Um, and my background's actually in leadership and ministry because um, I thought I was going to be a pastor for a little bit. Uh Um, but then I, yes, kind of, uh, you know, lots of writing papers and things like that, um, studying words. Um, but then I, I was doing that online and I ended up working full time, um, at Ronside where I'm at now in HR. And while I was doing that, I just really, I realized like, you know, I, I'm passionate about technology and innovation and making things easier for people and for myself and things like that. Um, so I wanted to go back to what I had started out to do as an 18 year old um, kid and wasn't mature enough then, but I definitely feel like I'm mature, mature enough now and have gotten my foundation certificate in computer science. And now I'm working towards finishing the master's degree in software engineering. Mm-hmm. And I, we, I know we, you and I have just been getting to know each other over the last couple of months through these different FinTech Academy events. Um, like what's attracted you towards this yeah, part of um, the world? Getting involved, I mean, in FinTech really started with a conversation I was having with some random stranger when I was playing Xbox in 2017. <laughs> um, he told me that I was asking him about sports gambling and he was like, that's too risky for me you should buy Bitcoin. Um, and so, which is really ironic. Um, he said he likes to be more strategic with his investments. So he was inv- investing in crypto. Um, and so like any, I don't know, I was 20 at the time, um, I decided that I wanted to make a lot of money by buying Bitcoin. Um, but then a conversation that I had with a mentor of mine really humbled me in that moment. And he was talking about how he doesn't think Bitcoin's going to be the next, I don't know, you know, major currency or anything like that. But blockchain and everything that blockchain does could change the way we do business and the way we work all over the place. And so I really started looking into the specifics of blockchain and how how it can change the world. And that's really where I, I started to fall in love with the ideology and the the theories and things like that, rather than just the making money portion. Um, and so I've been running towards that since. Well, I love the mention around the uh, Xbox and that all this orig- originated in, uh, in gaming. And I'll tell you why. Um, I think that there's some very... Um, interesting opportunities for new financial services delivery models to evolve in that gaming environment, esports environment, et cetera. Um, And we've we've had some different 
I've had some different conversations with um, some digital leaders at a couple of the very large banks in the country, and and they agree and are really looking for ways to explore those mediums more aggressively as they see it as, as those as meaningful places that the financial services needs to be present uh, for delivery and effective delivery to uh, of financial services and products to Gen Z. Interesting. And uh, it's really exciting. And um, with the university system, there's, of course, our Georgia FinTech Academy that is present across the entire system. But there's a, there's another academy called the Georgia Film Academy uh, mm-hmm. that's run. Their executive director is a gentleman named Jeff Stepakoff, who um, who uh, was a Hollywood writer of fame, and uh, he's helped run that program. There was a show called Malcolm in the Middle. He was a writer for that show. It's kind of an older show. But anyway, Jeff and I, Jeff just launched a uh, program um, to look at um, how to help uh, a degree, kind of an esports design and development. And so he and I have been talking about how could we collaborate on this financial services vision and kind of bring this this esports game development I, you know, team and that degree together with some fintech angles. So uh, this could all come for full circle for you, Steven. Oh, it could. Out. That uh, that sounds really interesting. <laughs> the other thing I, I guess I want to do is just make a big call out to, to Kennesaw State and um, John Preston, the dean of the College of Computer and Software Engineering. Um, it's a it's a phenomenal program, uh, and what. Um, Dr. Preston's built there is remarkable. Uh, I've had a chance to meet him a few times, but like all the students like yourself and others that I've engaged with and with him and you know the the professors, I've, I've just been blown away. I mean, it's a really tremendous uh, program there at, at Kennesaw. And uh, you know, I think you're lucky to be to be part of that um, that effort. So Ernie Stephen, let's talk some more about fintech. I think, um, I mean, maybe Ernie, get us started with a little bit of an overview of how FIS thinks about innovation. Um, and even maybe even before we jump into that, I do want to just step back for a second and let all of you know, FIS is the founding investor of the Georgia FinTech Academy. And it's, you know, we're grateful for that. And, uh, you know, thank you, FIS. And it's it just been a really tremendous par- partnership um, since I came into this executive director role about a year ago. And uh, so it's, it's, Ernie, it's great to have you. And, uh, but we haven't spent any time kind of better understanding that this kind of innovation agenda that FIS has. Tell us more about that. Absolutely. Well, I think even the com- coming off of the conversation around gaming is is a good segue in into the way that we we view innovation at at FIS, and the way we view it actually is it's a combat sport, and and what we mean by that is is to win in this competitive environment really of constant innovation, y- you need to be always bumping into companies, bumping into competitors, bumping into partners, um, new experiences, launch and learn, fail fast, right? To, to, to really uncover or unlock 
those unmet opportunities or opportunities to disrupt, uh, opportunities to grow. And, and so from, from that perspective, again, in terms of a mindset, we, we view it as a combat sport. And, and, and the way that we we compete in that is, is there are places where we will choose to invest like a shareholder. And I know, Tommy, you, you wanted us to at least reference uh, the new $150 million fund, FIS right. Ventures, that's run by our colleague, June Cho. Mm-hmm. Um, there are examples of, of, of how we approach innovation in, in that way. There are other places where we'll white label solutions, uh, right? We'll we'll go to market with third party solutions, white labeled as FIS, or even vice versa, where there are FIS solutions that uh, that clients or customers are white labeling to their end audiences, and and still other places where we could incubate ideas within FIS all the way from origination, right? From from the origination of an idea into a solution or maybe even an example of a net new business that we would take all the way uh, to, to, to go to market. And in and, and, and one of those specific examples that I mentioned at the top of our podcast was responsibility that, that our team has for the, the FinTech Accelerator Program. And what that's all about is identifying and fostering innovative FinTech startups with high potential technologies. Each year, 10 companies are selected to participate in our 12-week program, which we're in the midst of right now. And they are awarded with a $75,000 investment from us, from FIS, upon completion of the program. Uh, This year, 2020, is our fifth year. Mm -hmm. And we couldn't be more pleased with the global fleet, really, of of emerging technology companies that are participating all, you know, from around the world, from Istanbul in in Turkey and Singapore to India and and New York. And, And together... With them and, and with FIS business and product leaders, you know the key areas of fintech that 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 we're advancing together: uh, digital platforms, uh, contactless commerce. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're we're leveraging technologies from biometrics to no code development uh, to real time data. Um, you know, for for example, um, you know, if I will, just just a few of these. Uh, Cirrus Secure is one of our uh, cohort companies out of Denver that yes. helps lenders double their production by automating tasks and eliminating waste. That really improves that overall experience for the borrower and banker alike. And think right now in the midst of the pandemic, the improvements that that's showing even in the dissemination of the payroll protection program, right? Getting getting those funds out very efficiently. Uh, Surfly. Uh, out of the Netherlands uh, is a company that that is is a low code co-browsing and video chat technology. Um, they also do document sharing and privacy features like field masking. Um, and, and right, the applicable use cases that many of us could jump to are you know onboarding, customer support, 
But right. but just think in terms of the travel restrictions that a lot of us are under now, even when it comes to system implementations. So we're finding actually use cases to be able to launch entire systems, right? Oh. Um, uh, do full um, full scale implementations leveraging this type of technology that improves that experience. And you know, I, I really want to highlight you know a third trust stamp. Uh, from our very own ATDC yeah. here in Atlanta that takes uh, that biometric and identifying data from any source. And what it does, really cool, is it it, it, it irreversibly transforms it into an anonymized token that enables secure authentication while protecting all the user privacy details. And, and, and they uh, recently, uh, we're, we're happy to say, are included in our global KYC uh, or Know Your Customer Roadmap. Um, so, uh, you know, a lot of these areas in terms of how we approach it um, and, and couldn't be more excited about the efforts that we're driving forward um, with 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 that accelerator program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And uh, I remember when the program started, I guess, around six years ago. Um, and it's really it's just been remarkable. I mean, the quality uh, and the types of companies that have been coming through year over year have just continued to improve. And then certainly a big shout out to the Venture Center and Daniel Schutte and his team. Absolutely. I mean, they, they just they they're they're world class. And that's not just me saying that. They just won Finnovate. a big award from Finnovate as the number one fintech accelerator program provider in the country. That's right. Um, and they deserve that 100 percent, you know, no question. So um, it's really it's great. It's great to see. And I think, you know, just as an observer, what I've found remarkable when you were hinting on it, like with your comment around trust stamp is how FIS really, really comes into this with intentions of in really finding ways to engage these companies directly in the um, in the uh, either roadmap or execution initiatives that FIS has across the various business lines, um, which is you know this isn't just uh, uh, tourism you know kind of innovation tourism. I mean this is for real. Like there's yeah. a true engagement, it, 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 right? Innovation with purpose. Innovation with purpose. We'd say right and. Uh, you know, even the pandemic and and what threw us at the beginning of the program because that 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 you know came upon us just at the time that we were launching this year's cohort, and you know we we even looked to innovate on top of you know our innovation channel in the accelerator and and what it opened us up to the opportunity to to stand up for the first time in the program's history was um, an incubation phase up front where we were able to partner these cohort companies with champions from across our business out of the you know the business out of product leadership and work together with these companies to zero in on specific applicable use cases that we could be in a position to accelerate uh, opportunities uh, to to commercialize uh, for commercialization mm-hmm. and you know I think with examples like those that I even touched on you know across these three and there are others um, we're, we're, we're way ahead uh, in in where we, we we have typically been historically speaking in the program just with those opportunities that we're working on uh, tangibly with these cohort companies very 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 exciting mm-hmm. that's really cool. Ernie, what kind of 
requirements does it take for a company to get into this accelerator program? Because you said like, I mean, from what I took, it's like from idea to market. So people who just have ideas, are they applying and being accepted into this program? So, so we're looking for we're we're looking for early stage companies, um, a, a little bit beyond those that just have an idea um, yeah. that that they actually do have a specific offering uh, in market um, okay. with clients using it. Um, but but it really does um, you know cross the gamut of you know really early stage to maybe even those that have been successful in uh, securing. Um, you know, securing some funding. Um, but but the way we look at it, and great question, Stephen, is, you know, where do we have those opportunities to work together to commercialize where it, it helps, um, you know, uh, deliver against an unmet market need or, un, or, or mm-hmm. market opportunity? Um, you know, another thing that that can often be 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 lost sight of is looking internally for those innovation opportunities. And, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, look with with capital restrictions, right, just tight on the dollars yeah. um, from an overall corporate perspective, um, we we might not um, have as much of the funding uh, to be able to uh, iron out or round out some of the existing solutions we have. There could be gaps in solutions that would help take them to the next level. Well, what programs like the Accelerator help us do is identify innovative providers out there that might be answering those needs for us already, and we can bring them into the company uh, that really helps us accelerate uh, more competitive positioning for these solutions or services that are in the marketplace. So while, while, you know, as I touched on it's it's all about unlocking those gems that we can work on and go to market together it could also be scenarios where we find opportunities to leverage the technologies that they bring to round out existing solutions too that help our our clients compete at a higher level um, and it's been I mean it In my experience with FIS, I mean, it's been an important, this isn't new. I mean, this has been part of of, uh, FIS's business model um, for for quite some time. And um, it's just, it's just continues to, I guess, get even woven in more deeply to the, to how the business evolves. as FIS has been evolving, <laughs> I mean, there's a, yeah. you know, FIS, uh, as many of you may know, um, uh, bought WorldPay uh, in the last whatever has been now 18 months. And um, it's, uh, you know, added, I think it was the largest acquisition FIS has ever done, uh, multi-billion dollar acquisition. So it's really, you know, as the company continues to grow, I think it's been just exciting. I know for me, Ernie, to see just further investments being steered towards these uh, innovation initiatives. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really, it really is part of our DNA. It really is part of our DNA. Ernie, talk for a minute about the Innovate and in 48 program that that recently um, uh, transpired. 
Sure. Uh, so, so innovate in in forty eight. Um, that's largely driven out of our um, uh, technology organization, um, our, our CTO office, mm-hmm. and it's our annual internal technology innovation competition or hackathon. And 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 this cool. year marked uh, the eighth year that we've done innovate in forty eight. And in hundreds of uh, of FIS teams from across the globe, uh, they they collaborate and compete um, uh, for for producing very tangible new ideas and solutions that enhance FIS's offering. So the distinction that I would draw here is it's it's an internal uh, technology competition that allows you know all of our uh, innovators from uh, from around the world um, to compete against each other, but all driven towards creating again tangible new ideas and solutions uh, that we can um, that we can look to bring to market. That's really cool. Um, have you had it recently? Yeah, we we actually just uh, just wrapped that program up within the last couple of weeks. Okay. Uh, was I mean, I just we're going through a global pandemic. You talked about contactless pay and things like that. I know that's something that I've been utilizing more. I was trying to utilize it before all this happened because I just thought that being able to tap my phone to things and pay for stuff was really cool. But for innovation wise, like what do you find or what do you think is like so important moving forward just in case something else like this happens or just because this is giving us a great opportunity to, to really be more efficient in all areas of our life, whether or not we're in a pandemic. Another great question, Stephen. You know, our, our perspective is that what what we're seeing evolve is is largely not expected. Um, it's it's what we've been driving towards. I think largely as an industry, what mm-hmm. what we found that the pandemic has really done is it has accelerated that. Okay. It, it has accelerated that that digital transformation. Um, you know that um, uh, the, the 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 whole uh, aspect of digital first in terms mm-hmm. of customer experiences, and I think as you even described yourself, right? You've you've got a preference for um, you know contactless commerce, whether that's using a wallet, right, on on your mobile device or a contactless card. Um, I don't know if you're like like me and my family. Um, we've almost been exclusive e-commerce before e-commerce was cool, right? Um, I, I have one of my best closest relationships is with the UPS guy that drops off more packages <laughs> in my front door where, where my kids actually know his first name and we give him snacks and small bottles of water when, when he brings all of our e-commerce packages um, to, to the Boudet household. But uh, you know, it, it really, it really is this whole aspect of of digital first, and 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 at the top, you know, I, I even talked a bit about that um, that transition of banking, you know, which which not that long ago was a noun, right? You'd yeah. go to the bank. Right. Now it's it's very much a verb, right? It's what I do. 
It's what I do contextually. It's what I do in the moment. It's what I do as part of a very personalized user journey or experience. So what we're in this rapid transformation about is it's it's highly experiential, right? These, These experiences that we want to create for ourselves and both the opportunity, but also the obligation of service providers like financial institutions, payments companies, and others, it's it's up to them really to meet us at the moment of need on those journeys where we need them, Uh, right? So, So all about it's all about customer experience uh, these yeah. days, and each of us has a different definition of what that means. So both a challenge, but also an opportunity for these service providers to meet us where we are on those journeys. That makes a lot of sense. Um, well, actually, one of the things that really I, uh, blockchain and crypto-wise, that got me interested in fintech is the fact that now I feel like I, I have my money. Uh, rather than the bank has my money. If I want to send someone money, I can send it through Venmo immediately. Um, If I want to invest in a stock, I can go to my Fidelity account and do it myself. Um, And it doesn't cost me money to do. So these types of customer first experiences have really, I I love. And I think that's what draws me to to FinTech and, and more innovation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think what you're touching on there, and, and, and Tommy, you even raised it a little bit earlier, too, was was what we're calling in, in is this concept of open banking, right? Open banking, where it, it's it's more about even deploying solutions. Um, I think we've all kind of heard the terms as a service, right? Everything's as a service today. Deployments of those solutions in the cloud uh, are very much emerging and most impactful. What what we believe is that the days of closed environments are gone, and and you could be competing, at least from our perspective at FIS, you could be competing with someone tomorrow that you're cooperating with today. So the yeah. whole aspect of coopetition and constantly iterating on how best to compete and cooperate in the same time in this in this increasingly open environment is exciting. And and there was a research report that I read recently that that had a good perspective on this, at least from the financial services angle. It said, you know, the way that you'll see financial services grow and become even more relevant into the future is not by owning those relationships exclusively with customers like you, Stephen. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's about gaining a piece of more relationships across the spectrum of this new open environment. So, for example, you know, your your financial institution um, could, you know, if, if you're looking to, you know, uh, buy, buy your car, buy your next car, and you're looking online, you're researching online, you may even decide to buy that online um, 
Heck, right? There are already e-commerce offerings to buy and have a car delivered to your place of residence, right? The opportunity is for the financial services company to be integrated into that experience that at the time of qualifying for a loan and giving you that loan, it meets you in a seamless, frictionless way on that journey. Yeah. That's what we mean, and it's those types of experiences that we, as that that largest fintech provider in the world, are providing. We're 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 creating the ability for that experience to take place in that seamless and frictionless way. Stephen, a question I have for you, and then we'll, we're going to pivot to the mm-hmm. to the news. Um, like, as you're doing your your master's work in software engineering mm-hmm. um like are are these concepts we're talking about coming is this part of what you're into in your studies and this is mm-hmm. coming from me as very naive on yeah. you know the very details of like software engineering sure so um I mean, right now I'm in my taking my first two classes. It's requirements engineering and then software engineering. A lot of what we're going through at the moment is really just because um, the program's like it's very project management based. Um, so we're going through different methodologies, different types of models, different like UML charts and things like that mm. on how to make sure that we come up with a good plan to implement these things. So we haven't really touched on necessarily the specific ideas that we're talking about, but as I go through class and I'm thinking about the things that I'm interested in or the projects that I'm building for school or anything that I would think about trying to build outside of school, um, it is a great way to just like get a foundation of where to start. Cause that's for me and like trying to teach myself and the, that's always my issue is where, how do I start this? You know? Yeah. So um, I'm always that's thinking about great. No, that's helpful. You know, Ernie, another thing that's just coming sure to is. mind for me is uh, FIS has a sandbox, Stephen, called Code Connect. Code Connect. And oh, cool. it is designed to really engage people like you, really mm-hmm. very specifically, like where you are right now and being able to come in through a, into a sandbox. I mean, it's, it's more than a sandbox, but there's there's kind of stage one. You can come into a sandbox and be able to access a variety of different um, uh, application data sources, et cetera, cool. within the FIS ecosystem to then construct, um, construct, construct MVPs, minimum viable product concepts and um, build on those. Uh, And that's something that's an initiative we have as the Georgia FinTech Academy with FIS is how to help get more students engaging with the Code Connect platform to explore different software development angles. That's yeah, awesome. really think that's a great connection, Tommy and Stephen. You know, think about that as our API's marketplace, right? Yeah. You know, and the ability to to come into that environment and develop, right? Innovate uh, yeah. on top of our stack, and uh, you know, utilize. Um, you know, even our existing solutions, connections into those real-time data sources and tools. You know, increasingly tools um, that that you can that you can leverage, um, and, and even partnering opportunities. Uh, you know, what, one of the big things that's part of the value proposition for Code Connect, which we're excited about, 
is that um, you know in this in this whole approach a la marketplace, it's not just about um, uh, using if you will, right, using and leveraging uh, the tools, the resources, the solutions that are part of the platform, but it's contributing, right? It's contributing to the marketplace yeah. as well to foster innovation and uh, and drive impact. So uh, so think of it as a very active community of um, of users um, that, that are all after the same thing. Yeah. Let's move towards um, just FinTech News of the Week. Um, this is where we're just thinking through anything that's caught our eye that we want to mention uh, in the in the world of fintech in the last week. How about you, Ernie? Yeah, one one big notable from from this week was the P twenty Global Payments Conference yeah. um, that actually just just ran the the last couple of days. And and if you're in fintech uh, out there, or you know Stephen, others uh, studying in fintech. And you're not already familiar with, um, you know, with the P20. Uh, you you should be. Um, you know, this group was born out of um, our very own um, American Transaction Processors Coalition. You know, here uh, in Atlanta, and and what it's really about is it's the top leaders in payments from around the world that are collaborating on creating more accessible, secure, inclusive payments, um, and really shaping what that future payments experience looks like, uh, a lot of what we've touched on um, today. Uh, Next week, of course, and I won't steal your thunder, Tommy, but we should definitely plug FinTech South, right? Yes. It's coming. Absolutely. But before I sign off, if you don't mind the plug, um, you know, but we, we we talked today about, you know, our, our FinTech Accelerator program, our exciting 2020 class. Well, the our culminating event is uh, is Demo Day and Demo Day for um, for for this year's class is on October 14th. So just in a couple of weeks and just like everything else this year, uh, the event will be virtual. And, and I encourage all of you. Um, to, to register and, and, and participate in that. Uh, you'll, you'll have the opportunity to hear leaders from each of the firms showcase their wares and use cases. And, and it's going to be a very active audiences of, of influencers, investors, successful entrepreneurs will all be on the line. But we have a landing page out there off of FISglobal.com. Uh, if you add a slash uh, EN and then another slash FIS hyphen fintech hyphen accelerator will get you directly to our fintech accelerator program landing page and we encourage you to visit it and to register for the event mm-hmm. and then fin- fintech south starts on monday it will run so that's october the 5th and will run uh throughout the week there's i, I mean we have over 60 hours of content teed up for fintech wow. south i mean it's a really tremendous lineup this year and if you're listening to this uh and you're a student i have an access pass for you so you can just you know pop me a note and i'll get you the code um for that next week and um fintechsouth.com is the is the site to check out there um Stephen, how about you? New FinTech news, interesting, caught your attention? Sure. Uh, something that caught my attention that I thought was really interesting um, was last Friday, um, the Grand National release of the 
Bahamas Sand Dollar was published. Um, so the Bahamas is planning to roll out a central bank digital currency on October 20th. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been some pilot programs in the regions of Exuma and Abaco through authorized financial institutions. Um, and so then they found success in it, um, what it sounds like. And so they'll be rolling that out um, in mid-October. Um, and this is just something that me and my friends had been um, noodling around with about the U.S. switching to one and if that was ever going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and things like that. So this was really interesting that um, I know China was working on one and then that the Bahamas is actually rolling out a digital currency like yeah. centralized. Yeah, the stable coin uh, offerings from central banks are it's a really interesting trend and one that's clearly mm-hmm. beginning to get some traction. Um, the last thing I'd mention in terms of news is that we have a new fintech unicorn here in Atlanta as of um the past week, that's Greenlight Financial. Congratulations to them on closing a, a very substantive Series C round that bring, brings their total valuation up to like $1.2 billion. Uh, this is a smart debit card for kids. They've got a million um, kids on the product now, and it's been increasing exponentially. Just really phenomenal product. And uh, also, all, they're also graduates of the Georgia Tech Advanced Technology Development Center incubator that we've referenced um, in the show today. So um, congrats to them. Well, we're going to leave it there. Um, Stephen, Ernie, can't thank you enough for your time, for your ongoing engagement with the FinTech Academy. Uh, you're always welcome. And um, thanks again for being with us today. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Stephen. The Georgia FinTech Academy podcasts are available on iTunes and Spotify. To obtain additional information about the Georgia FinTech Academy, please visit our website at georgiafintechacademy.org.